As we begin today, uh, we'll have our weekly reminder that if you have your Bible, please open that up to 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, looking at verse 3. Uh, you can also pull out a mobile device and uh, find a Bible app or website uh, and find 1 John chapter 3 there as well as in your uh, bulletin too. So 1 John chapter 3 is what we're looking at today. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sermon text is from verse 3, 1 John chapter 3. Whoever hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Right now it seems like life is as if we're trying to put together a puzzle and all the pieces are stuck face down on the table and we can't turn them over. Can't turn them over to see what the picture might actually end up being. Although we do have some idea. We can't turn it over because it seems like there are things at this time that we just cannot know, cannot trust. And fully believe. So, so we're stuck with pieces scattered across the table, and we cannot see everything that we want to see, everything that we hope to see, and in some ways, even everything that we need to see. But in the midst of such confusion, we need to kind of go back and think about how puzzles are put together in the first place. As we see these pieces scattered in front of us, we would recognize also that, that some pieces have, in fact, been turned over. Some things have been revealed to us, some things we can't see clearly. If we were to look at one side of the puzzle around the frame, we would see that, the, that there are pieces in place there. In fact, there's one whole side of the frame, and that is where God has created the heavens and the earth. If we were to look at one side of the puzzle, we would see these pieces coming together. That over seven days, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light, and there was light. God is the author and creator of life. We can see that that's been revealed to us in God's Word. Now, if we're to move along the frame, look maybe towards the bottom, along the foundation of the picture, we would see some things too. We would see that Jesus has come into the world fully God and fully man in the flesh, born of the Virgin Mary. He died on the cross, rose again, and we see that work of salvation down at the foundation of the picture, at the bottom of the puzzle, along the bottom edge. And then if we're to look at the top, we would see some things too along, along the top frame. We would see that fill in as well. Because there we would see how Christ ascended into heaven. How after he died and rose again, he appeared to his disciples and standing before them, he was taken up into the heavens. And we would know that that means that Christ is sitting on the throne right now. Even though we can't see it, we would know that it means that Christ is sitting on the throne. But then there's this other side, you know, the fourth edge. And we have some idea of what that will look like, but, but the pieces have not been turned over. They haven't been assembled yet. They haven't been put in place. And, and on this side, that's, that's Christ's return. That's the day when he will return to raise the dead, to make all things new. The very place where we're standing, this planet, this world, will be renewed. Death will be taken out of it. Illness will be taken out of it. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. All chaos will end. No more elections, just had to throw that in there. All of that would end, and, and, and Christ would reign on the throne forever, and we before the throne worshiping him. We, we have some idea that that part of the puzzle hasn't been turned over. All those pieces haven't been completely put together yet, though we know one day it will. And as we begin to stare at these pieces face down, we might look towards the center. What is the thing in the middle that, that everything else is going to be connected to? And while we can't see that, while that piece and those pieces haven't been turned over, we know what picture will be on the other side, even though we can't fully see it, can't fully imagine it. 
but, but those pieces in the middle are Jesus as he is, as he is right now. Not as he was, not as he was dying on the cross, bleeding, giving his life for the sins of the world, gasping for breath that we might have life, but no, Jesus as he is now, the Lamb who was slain, who now sits on the throne, the Lamb who has begun his reign, the one who we join the chorus of heaven with whenever we sing Alleluia, because that's what the saints are singing to him right now. And yet we cannot see. And the great preacher Charles Spurgeon writes about this longing to see Jesus, and he says this, he says, one short glimpse, one transitory vision of his glory, one brief glimpse of his once marred, but now glorious and beaming face would be worth a world of trouble. We could just get one little glimpse of that, even one of the tiniest pieces that would reveal him, as he is right now, turned over, that would be after all this in him that we hope. And right now, unfortunately, we see how far apart the pieces have become. How scattered we are individually as, as people, as a nation, we see those pieces are in utter chaos. They are turned over. We cannot see everything that's going on. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in these times, we need to cling all the more closely to our hope. And in doing so, we need to reveal to the world that we are lovers of truth, but not lovers of conflict and division and strife and bitterness. That, that we are, in fact, those who have been called to be salt of the earth. We don't understand how we all fit together anymore. And if anything has revealed that it's been this year, if anything has revealed that it's been a pandemic and an election, and we have put our hopes at times in the wrong places. Sometimes we have utterly put our hopes in the wrong places. If anything is painfully obvious right now is that no political belief, candidate, person, personality, or party can actually bring us together. But, but Christ has already given us what we need to see how the puzzle fits. And he has done it in one single word. One single word. He has shown us how we all fit together. And that one word is neighbor that I cannot see how Christ is working in my neighbor who believes and thinks and votes differently than I and yet if they confess faith in Christ and call him their Lord and Savior thanks be to God that it's not up to me to judge whether or not that is true and real but instead it's for me to give thanks for the spirit who is at work and ways that we cannot see, and things that are confusing, and at times that we cannot understand. Thanks be to God for that. And may it be that the most pronounced thing about us as Christians right now is who our hope really is in. But as we hope in him, we cannot say simply, oh, Jesus is on the throne. He's up there, he's on the throne. What's he doing? He's on the throne. Throne you know, doing throne things. He's on the throne. Instead of Christian messages, he is coming. He is returning. 
And may it be that you are not found amongst those who are scattering in pieces across the table right now. God will not abide chaos. And the discipline will be all the more severe when he comes, the further the pieces get scattered. Maybe instead, that we purify ourselves from, from hatred, from resentfulness, from anger, while also, yes, speaking the truth and seeking the things that, that, that are right and that are good. May we purify ourselves in him as we hope. Do I need to talk tomorrow? <laughs> One of the advantages that we have, though, even though we can't see other pieces all working together, is that we see what holds it together. Staring at the back side of the puzzle means that we're able to see what holds the puzzle together. If we have any advantage, it is that. And today, as we think about the saints, if we look at their lives, all we would find is God doing all the work. All we would find is one person after another who, who might at first seem great and gleaming in our eyes, but instead, we see another fallen human being who is utterly dependent on God. Let's consider the prophets, for example. Elijah, the prophet, who is told, whose tale is told in Sunday school year after year. Elijah, the prophet, who was taken up into heaven in a whirlwind of fire. Elijah, the prophet, who ran into the wilderness because he was so burnt out, frustrated, and without hope that all he wanted to do was lay down and die. And what does God do? God comes and feeds him and gives him life. Again. Let's consider King David. That bright and shining example of King David. We, we, we remember his name every Christmas because from him comes Christ, the one true king who's on his throne. And from him, we have this great promise that this Christ would sit on the throne forever. But also in David, we see a man who committed the worst of sins that any man could make, especially when it comes to being king, adultery and murder, cheating. Death. And yet we see in this moment how God restored and healed him. And we can move on and we can see the disciples after Christ rose from the dead, literally adrift, going back to their old lives, fishing on a boat. And Christ comes to them who ran away. He comes to them who fled from the moment of suffering. He comes to the one who betrayed him, or the one, excuse me, the one who denied him, and he restores him. What do we see in the saints, but what holds it all together? And that is the word of God and his grace to us. What has fed the church for years, but his word, his sacrament, his baptism. Look at the lives of the saints. That's what holds it all together. That's what continues to keep the church going. It's that and nothing else but the grace of Jesus Christ. And John says to us that this grace is for everyone. He says, everyone, everyone who does hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is incredible news and a relief for us because when we talk about saints, 
We're not always talking about those heroes of old, the ones who sailed across the ocean and faced death and the sword and fire for Jesus. No, when we talk about the saints, we're, we're, we're including them. Thanks be to God that they are included. But we're also talking about friends and family and teachers and Sunday school teachers and, and pastors and, and other people as well, parents and all that. Because what makes a saint a saint? First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, How great is the love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. How great is the love he has given us. What is it that makes a saint a saint? It is the love of God, that and nothing else. It is that love of God bestowed upon a wicked, corrupt sinner that cleanses and justifies and makes a person right before his eyes. It is God doing the work. And whoever hopes in him, whoever has faith in him, and faith alone is a saint. That's the everyone. Everyone who believes. Everyone. And today that is a particular comfort. Because as we consider the saints that we know, we also know their flaws. We know their mistakes. We know some saints who have gone on, who have done wicked things in their lives would cause real pain that even if they had 10 more lifetimes they wouldn't be able to make up for the hurt that they had caused and yet they are forgiven by Christ and they are a saint now we know we know saints who have gone on before who did things on purpose that caused trouble in this world we know saints who have gone on before who had unfinished business when they left we know saints who have gone on before who have left things unspoken and unsaid we know saints who have gone on before that annoy us with the way that they ate their food. <laughs> we know saints who have gone on before who no matter what, no matter how much you begged, no matter how much you asked, no matter how much you pleaded and tried to be persuasive and kind and loving and generous, it seemed as if it was in their DNA that they would never take out the trash, not even once. Everyone, everyone, everyone who hopes in him is pure as he is pure. So we cling to some of these pieces and we wait for that day when we'll be able to be turned over and we'll see them again. But while we haven't seen everything, it's not exactly like we've seen nothing either. While we haven't seen everything, it's not exactly like we haven't seen nothing either. If you have your Bible open, turn to Revelation 7. Race. See what he first. I won't. Uh, Revelation 7. Oh, wait. Now I think. Revelation 7. Beginning at verse 9. After this I looked, and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every tribe, or from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. I preached on this verse, I believe, last year. These verses last year from Revelation 7. And the one thing that struck me then, that a year later still gets me now, is this. What you just read is about you. You are in the Bible. You are in the Bible right here. This is where the Saint John, the Apostle John, who writes to us in 1 John chapter 3, is writing to us now in Revelation 7, describing the everyone. This multitude that no one can count, from all places, from everywhere, from every race, from every tribe and nation and people. That everyone includes you. Because you, by faith in Christ, not by your works, not by the great things that you've done, but, have washed, but by faith alone have washed your robes in the blood of the Lamb, and thus you have been made pure. And Christ says to us in our gospel lesson from today, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You are the everyone. This is a chapter that includes you. As you gather together again. We wait eagerly for the bigger pieces and the smaller pieces to finally be turned over. We believe that one day the picture will be made complete and the things that don't make sense right now will make sense. That where there was lies, truth will be revealed. That where there was a lack of patience, there will be understanding. A day where all that will be left but is nothing but love. And while we have not seen that yet, we still have been told that the pieces will hold for us. And because of that, we have peace in the midst of our troubles. Amen.
We commemorate the members of our congregation and family and friends who have died in the Lord. Clarence Nixon, Clara Rail, Leonard Rail, Porky Rail, Lenny Rail, Lewis Rail, Larry Rail, Alexander Rail, Henrietta Rail, Lucy Bink, Roger Bink, Greta Lineski, Leonard Lineski, Suzanne Lineski, Robert Gawley, Frederick Howard Bacon, Dorothy Cook, Kyle Moye, Carolyn Moye, Tony Hamilton, Scott Crane, Pat Fuller, Robert Fergal Sr., Robert Fergal Jr., Carrie Wegner, Norma Zare, Debbie Severs, Dorothy Smith, Shirley Lay, Stan Dickey, Gloria Dickey, Annette Tucker, David Peace, Skip Crow, Tom Gaddy, Grace Gaddy, Helen Fugie, Don Smith, Betty Bacon, Joanna Stone, Tony Hamilton, Chuck McKissick, Warren Shockey, Joan Kessler, Kevin Morgan Montgomery, Jerry DeArmond, Adelaide DeArmond, Susie DeArmond, Bill Bloom, Mary Walker, Larry Walker, Gloria Bongers, Winnie Bloom, Kenneth Smith, Merle Smith, Daniel Nowicki, Daniel Christopher Dumont, Gwen Stevens, Blair Foy, Carol Weatherton, Kim Beverly, Keith Beverly, Johanna Gruber, 